I mean, what are we doing? Go home. We're going to do the course of... Um, turn with me to Psalm 90. As we are walking bit by bit through this psalm, uh, it's my intention that as we begin a new year that we keep our eyes focused on that which is most important for us as Christians and for us as a church. We looked last week at, uh, in Psalm 90, the psalm of Moses, that Moses uh, highlights the fact that God is the eternal one. He is the creator of all things. He is the king. And I believe if we're going to honor God in this year, I believe it's going to be based upon the fact that we live lives that are centered on Him. That we love Him supremely. He is the, the passion of our hearts. He is the treasure. And we do everything with Him in sight. But part of living that God-centered life is not only knowing and, and beholding the beauty of, of who God is and His eternality, but also to know that we are the opposite. We are frail. We are weak. And I hate to break it to you this morning. I know you probably wanted a pep talk. But this morning I want you to come face to face with the fact that uh, life is brief. It's here and it's gone. You can attest to that, can't you? Yeah. In some form or fashion, you can attest to the fact that this life seems to be going very quickly. Yeah. Years passing like they're nothing. But I want us to remember this morning that this is nothing to God. Because He stands outside of time and He is greater than all of it. And while we may experience the brevity of this life, it's good to know that we can rest in the One who never changes and is eternal. So this morning I want to put your focus on that in Psalm 90, verses 4, 5, and 6. Um, I find myself doing something very odd just over the last couple of years. I don't know why I started doing it, but I'm obsessed with it now. Every time I watch a TV show or I watch a movie and I see different celebrities or stars in these TV shows and movies, I find myself, for some reason, looking them up on Wikipedia to find out how old they are. I don't know if anybody else does that, but I do that. I, don't, I, I, I think I do it to make myself feel like I'm not as old as I am. Like if I can look somebody up, a celebrity, and I, I can look at them and, oh, they're older than me, then I can kind of go, well, at least they're older than me. And it gets worse as the time goes by. Al Pacino is in his 80s. Yeah. Joe Pesci should, looks like he's in his 180s. You get reminded constantly because you see these people that you knew when they were young and now they're older and you're like, wow, especially when you haven't seen them for a while. You really are reminded that life is brief. It's going by quick and I see myself doing it like, well, at least I'm not as old as they are. At least I'm not as old as they are. But then I'll every so often look somebody up and I'm convinced that they're older than me and then I find out, no, in fact, they're younger. And that cuts to the core because I want to pretend like I'm going to be a young man forever. But we know that's not true. We know the days and the weeks and the months and the years they pass by quick. And for all, the, for all the younger people in the room, just know it's coming for you too. It's good to be reminded that life is brief, that it's going by quickly, because it should change how we live when we realize that. As we stare upon and look at the beauty of, of who God is and the fact that He doesn't change and He's eternal... We shouldn't be scared or worried the fact that life is going by so quickly. It should waken us up. It should wake, waken, awaken us. I have a master's degree, I promise. Because we see the eternality of God, 
When we, when we gaze upon him and his gloriousness, it should remind us of the brevity of life and not in a despairing way, but in a way that reminds us that we're not our own kings and we can't put our hope in the things of this world. We need him. To be God-centered, we not only need to know how eternal and see his beauty, but we also need to realize we're finite. Life is going by like this, and that's exactly what Moses does in this psalm. I mentioned to you last week, Psalm 90 is a psalm of Moses. This is maybe the first psalm written. During the time of Moses, most likely during the time of the wilderness wandering, which is going to make what he writes here even more impactful. Psalm 90, verses 4, 5, and 6. If you are physically able, let's do church aerobics. Let's stand because we love Jesus and we love his word. And if you're physically able, let's stand together and read this Psalm 90, starting in verse 4, going to verse 6. And here is what Moses writes to us today. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with the flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? We oftentimes don't want to come face to face with this life and how brief it is, how quickly it's going by, but God, would you help us to see that that is actually for our good? It is actually so that we might turn our eyes to you and focus our attention to Jesus, who is the only king of all kings. So Father, this morning, would you help us to see our lives rightly so that we might live it in a way that would honor you? Father, help us to see that it is your grace to us that you give us your word so that we might know who you are and how we relate to you. Father, thank you for showing us your beauty and your grace and your mercy and your majestic uh, character on the pages of Scripture. And God, thank you for showing us that we are feeble creatures that desperately need you. May that come out as we study this morning. Motivate us, God, by the power of your Spirit working within us, teaching us your word that we might live it out and walk in a way that would honor your name. Glorify yourself among us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated for a moment. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. See, in this psalm, there's only two figures that are given to us. There's God and then there's human beings. And boy, do they stand in contrast to one another. And the reason I think God gives us this as we focus our attention to him and living lives that are God-centered is that a lack of a proper eternal perspective leaves us seemingly trapped in the view that this world is of primary importance. If we think we're going to live forever, then we will not take seriously who God is, and we will make this place our home, not heaven, not the presence of God. We'll become in love with the things that this world offers. And do you find yourself doing that? Do you find yourself often allowing days to go by without even considering eternity and the fact that there's something beyond the life we live now? See, when we keep our eyes just focused on the here and now, we lose sight of the fact that, that this life is not meant to be all there is. And the psalmist tells us that. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. So what God does, uh, does in these verses is he gives us his perspective of time, which is very, very helpful. So what you're going to find here is a list of different illustrations or comparisons to how brief life is. Number one, a thousand years is like yesterday to God. Now that's an odd thing to say. Now, again... This is interesting from Moses' point of view. He says a thousand years is like yesterday. This is a man who spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. That must have felt like ages, and yet also like that. 
He says a thousand years, not 40 years, not a not hundred years, a thousand years are as yesterday to God. Think about that. What was life like in 1023 A.D.? A thousand years ago. Well, it was different than it is now, I grant you. But think about that. That span of time, a thousand years, is like yesterday to God. Folks, that's 365,250 days. Woo! That is 52,178 weeks. You're just trying to make it through one. That is 8,760,000 hours. I'm struggling to make it to noon. And all of these, you're, and I'm not the only one, you are too. And a thousand years is as yesterday to God. You see the bigness of God? You see how awesome he is? And notice, this is God's perspective. A thousand years is not like tomorrow. It's like yesterday when it's past. Now, why would that be significant? Most, most of us don't stress about yesterday. Most of us are worried about what? Tomorrow. And tomorrow can feel like the weight of the world rests on it. You ever had surgery on the schedule? You ever had surgery tomorrow? All of a sudden, that seems like an eternity waiting for that to happen. But who sits and frets about what's already passed? You don't, right? The day you stress about tomorrow is going to become yesterday that you don't really worry about anymore. See, a thousand years to God is like yesterday when it's past. Gone. Woo! See, this is good news for folks like me who stress out about tomorrow. To know that to God, he stands above and beyond it all. That yesterday is fleeting and a thousand years to God is like that. From his perspective, a thousand years comes and goes like it's yesterday. What's another perspective he gives us? Number two, a thousand years is like a watch in the night. Just, just so you know, they used to, back in those days, they used to divide up the night into watch times. Right? They didn't have the old, uh, what, what, what's a good security system? They don't have those. They had to stay up and watch. And they would divide, normally they'd divide the night up into four watches of three hours each. Here, he doesn't say that a thousand years is like a night. He says a thousand years is like a watch in the night. A thousand years to God is like three hours gone by. What? This is completely foreign to us. This doesn't make sense to us. We're not on that kind of time frame. I look at pictures of me as a kid, and it's almost like it wasn't me. I don't remember any of that stuff. I see pictures of me from 15 years ago with me and my children. I don't remember them things. I thought maybe it's somebody else. Because that, that's so far gone. That's only 15 years ago. I have to see pictures and go, I actually did that. I was there for that. 15 years. We're on totally different time frames than God is. His perspective is so much greater. And he tells us that these thousand years are like yesterday or like a watch. See, we build our lives on minutes and hours and days and years and decades. But these have no meaning to God. 
A thousand years is like a watch in the night. God isn't bound to any time frame. He is the unchanging, timeless, eternal creator. Woo, that's big news. You got to come to grips with that because that's the only way that we will live lives that are centered on him. While we wade and we find ourselves fretting over a single day, God says thousands of years go by like that to him. Like a watch in the night, a thousand years goes. Number three, he says it's a thousand years is like a flood, verse 15. You, meaning God, you sweep them, meaning a thousand years, you sweep them away as with a flood. The word sweep is the word carried away. It's like a violent torrential flash flood where everything, you ever seen videos of that? In places like New Orleans and folks like that that have had massive flooding and you just see like whole cars and houses drifting down streets on water. We're told that a thousand years are carried away by God like a flood. Uh-oh. What are they carried away to? What is the brevity of life pointing us to? The fact that there is a destination to this life. And that destination is death. And a thousand years to God are swept away like a flood, like they're here and they're gone, just carried away. Generation after generation swept away in a hurry. I've told you this before, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but, but in 50 years, you won't be remembered most likely. 50 years from the time you die you will likely be forgotten. Yikes. That's tough news when you spend your entire life trying to build a good name for yourself and right, do what's right and take care of folks. To know that 50 years from the date of your death, you are most likely forgotten. That's a tough pill to swallow. But it's intentional. Why would that be something God would want to remind us of? How is that good for us? Well, it's to live life intentionally knowing that a thousand years are swept away like a flood, so we probably shouldn't waste the days we have or presume upon the days that we have or put too much hope in what we can accomplish by our own hands. That God is the one who sweeps them away like a flood. I mean, think about that. That word flood, think about how many and how quickly people have died. Think about how many people have passed away just in 2022, there were 67.1 million people who died. That's 184,000 a day. Every day. All of it being carried. I know, I see the faces. I see your faces. You are bummed out. But folks, if you only consider these things when you're at a funeral, you will waste numerous days, weeks, and months on things that don't matter. I will. It's painful, but you got to look at it. You know why? Because otherwise, we start putting our hope in things other than God. We start putting it in the pursuits of this world, and we start putting it in the things this world can offer. God, in his grace, is reminding us, don't get too comfortable. This is all being swept away like a flood. He's doing that because he loves you, and he wants you to keep your eyes on him. Number four, a thousand years is like a dream. Oh, you can relate to this, can't you? 
Some of you that might be experiencing this right now. He says a thousand years is like a night of sleep. You ever, you ever, uh, you ever gone to sleep and you're like, oh, I can't wait to go to sleep. This is going to be so wonderful. Oh, I'm going to get it. You ever had those times where you know you don't have to get up early in the next morning? You ever had those days? You're like, I can sleep in. Oh, this is going to be so wonderful. And you get in bed. Maybe you get in bed early because you're just that kind of person. You're going to get in bed and you're going to enjoy as much of this sleep as possible. And then you lay down and you close your eyes and you go off to sleep and then you're up. And it seems like you didn't sleep. It seems like you were instantly teleported to the next morning. And you're like, where did the eight, nine, whatever hours I slept, where did it go? You ever felt that way? A thousand years to God is like a night of sleep. Like a dream. How quickly it seems to go by. Folks, do you feel this? How quickly it all seems to go it feels as if, as if time is just sped up, like it's fast-forwarded. And this is something you and I can't find loopholes to. Oh, we're trying. How can I? Ted Williams, y'all remember Ted Williams? He was the baseball player. Uh, and he decided, I remember it was, it was news because Ted Williams decided that he wanted to, uh, he wanted to put his head on ice. So that later on when they developed the technology that they could, uh, you, could, you could live again or they could give you a body that would be able to, you could put his head on top of that and he could keep on living. You want to know how badly human beings will try to find a way around this? Uh, if you freeze my head and put it on something later, then I can live again. Sorry, folks. You can put your head in the freezer. It ain't going to change nothing. First of all, don't ever think about doing that. I don't want you to think about that. Come talk to me if that's what you're doing. We try to find loopholes because we don't want to admit that this is what life is. You, you're born, and it goes like that. Yeah. And death comes. And boy, life is like a night's sleep. It is quickly gone. We can't, we can't waste what we have. Can't presume upon another day. Listen, I can look up celebrities all I want on Wikipedia and, include, and, and convince myself that I'm younger than them, so I'm okay, but there's no guarantee I live past this moment right now. There's no guarantee I don't have a heart attack and drop dead right here. Who cares how old I am compared to somebody else? What does that change? Right? Unless my hope is in the things of this world and me making sure I can get everything I can get now. That's not God-centered living, is it? No, that's me-centered living. That's me making sure I accomplish what I want and maybe God will be around when I need him. No, he is the eternal God and a thousand years are like a night of sleep to him. Generations after generations after generations after generations of people live and die and they're like a day to God. Still there. Still unchanging. Still king. Number five, a thousand years to God is like grass that grows and dies. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't understand this one as well because I don't like to be around grass. I don't like to mow the lawn. I don't like to do any of that stuff. So this one's a little tougher for me. Eddie, you know this well because you have to mow that grass all, all year long, right? I mean, you, at least every summer, you're out on that thing cutting that grass. I know it's the bane of your existence. I do want you to know that I think in heaven the grass won't grow longer than that and it'll be perfect. You're welcome. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But he says a thousand years to God is like grass that grows and then dies. Well, that's kind of weird. But remember, all of these are illustrations of the brevity of life, how quickly it's here and how quickly it's gone. 
So what should that teach us? Well, it should remind us of our need for God because he says like grass, we grow up and we die. Right? The, the actual word, if you notice, it says in verse 6, in the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. This is kind of the life cycle right here. In the morning, it's kind of like when you're young, right? You're like a baby. And you, when you was young, you flourish. It means, it means shiny. I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to make that connection. It just means shiny. But it's almost like if you think about grass, you, you wake up in the morning, and what's on the grass a lot of times? That dew, it just reminds you that, oh, it's like new. You know what I mean? It's like it's growing, it's healthy, it's there, it's dew. And you know around here in the summer, the dew don't last long. Because you get that 105 degree heat, guess what happens to that dew? Guess what happens to that? You cut it up with your lawnmower, guess what happens to it? It fades and withers. Withers means to dry up. Folks, this is Moses' way, poetically, of telling us that we get born and we get dead pretty quick. We look healthy and fresh and shiny, and before you know it, we're withering and fading and decaying. Oh, I don't know if you want to hear that. We're breaking down. Do I need to remind you of that? My family made fun of me this week because I did my leg workout followed by my back workout. And two days later, I was walking around like I was 150 years old. I couldn't even get my foot up high enough to put my sock on. I'm decaying, folks. When I was a teenager, boy, whoo, no problem. It's getting worse. Corruption is happening. And this is God's way of reminding us that we can't, we can't put our hope in this life, can we? Because it's going. It's withering away. Even when we were at OB Donuts and the sweet old man talked about our beards and said, Oh, Sam, you have a great, wonderful brown beard. And Jason, you have a gray beard. I said, nobody asked you. But it's true. I see this when I watch athletes get old and pass away. Pele passed away. Pele was, if not the greatest soccer player ever, one of them. Used to be a tremendous athlete. He's dead. Right? You see people who are strong in the picture of fitness and they die. Nothing can stop it. We're, we're withering away. And that either bums you out to where you waste your time or it turns your eyes to one who doesn't fade away. One who doesn't wither. Because all these are pictures that are meant to point us to the God who does not fade. And I hate to break it to us, but we oftentimes as human beings, we talk about life being brief, but we don't live like life is brief. We say we know we're going to die one day, but we don't live like it. We act like we're going to live forever. Maybe the best thing God can do for us if we're going to live a life that centers on him and he's our treasure is to remind us constantly you're going to die one day. Right? Maybe one of the best things God can do is rip away anything in this world and in this life that we might cling to more than him. Maybe if we saw how feeble we are, we might actually see our need for him. You with me? It's not meant to bum you out, folks. Enjoy life. You got it. You have a blessing right now. You are alive and breathing air. Don't waste it. It's a great gift of God. But don't act like you're not going to stop breathing one day. All right, so I just gave you five illustrations of things you don't want to talk about. What's it mean? How, do we, how does this change the way we live? Can I give you four things real quick? Real quick. Four things real quick. 
of how this changes. Two, revolve around God. Two, are focused on us. How does this change the way we live? Number one, we realize that God is not on our schedule. You want to know how the eternality of God and our feebleness and our fleeting life, know what that should point us to? God is not on our time frames. If he doesn't answer our prayer tomorrow, it ain't because he's mean. It's not because he doesn't care. Time means nothing to him. He's not on our schedule. We can't put him on a clock and say, you must act the way we want you to in the time frame we want you to. Our lives are like a mist. God's working on a timeless plan. One that stretches all the way back. He's not on our schedule, which means he's also not late to anything. Jesus shows up four days after Lazarus is dead. Where were you? I'm sorry, God's not on a schedule. Not one created by us. He's on his own plan. And his plan spans generations. So what it means is we don't get frustrated because it doesn't happen like that. We just realize that when God does respond that fast, it's a real blessing to us. But he doesn't owe us that. Our lives can come and go. It's nothing to him. Not that we don't matter, but that the days we fret about, he stands outside of. It should change how we live because it means God doesn't have to bend. Okay, God, I need you to work and I need you to do it by next week. It means we're not disappointed when he exercises his sovereign plan according to his purposes. That leads to number two. How does this change the way we live? Well, it helps us to realize that God accomplishes his sovereign will. He accomplishes his sovereign will because he exists outside of time. Nothing can stop him. No natural disaster. No passing of hours and days can stop his sovereign will from taking place. And what it means is his will is going to take place. You know why? Because feeble people like us who are bound by time can't usurp his power. We can't kick God off the throne. You know why? Because he's timeless and we're not. We exist within time. He doesn't. And because of that, we can rest as Christians knowing God will accomplish what he purposes to happen. That's good news. Number three, how does it change our lives to realize the brevity of life? Well, it means that the brevity of life stands out in contrast to God's eternality, which reminds us that there's a difference between us and him. Why is life brief? You ever asked? Why does it go by like that? Because of sin. Life is brief because of sin. So when, when God wakes us up and gives us his perspective on time, it's not only telling us about who he is, the one who stands outside of time, and that he is perfect and holy in every way, it also shows us that we're what? We're sinners. Otherwise, life wouldn't be brief. Otherwise, we wouldn't die. So all of this is a reminder that we're the broken ones, not him. It's a reminder that God is the one who is over all things. 
And we are the ones who are plagued by sin. A desperate need to realize that we need him. And number four, how does the brevity of life change the way we live? Well, God's word tells us that we need to consider eternal life. Because of sin, life is brief. And what the Bible tells us is we as human beings, if we are going to have any hope, it means this. Number four, the true wisdom is found in right perspective of the brevity of life. That's where true wisdom is found. True wisdom is found with a right perspective of the brevity of life. Look, look just a few more verses down. Psalm 90 verse 12. What does Moses write? Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Why does God show us the brevity of life? So that we might learn to treasure every day. That we might learn to count our days as God does. Not pretending we're going to live forever, knowing one day this all ends. And that's where wisdom is found. Because when you know one day you're going to breathe your last, guess what you'll do? You might actually live life intentionally for God. You might actually live every day putting your hope in Him. The more we forget that, the more we start trusting in ourselves. The more we start wasting days on things that won't ultimately matter in the end. See, we don't waste our days when we consider who God is and how brief life is. And we will live each day intentionally looking to the things that will have eternal significance. See, all of these illustrations point to the brevity of life, which hopefully turns our perspectives back to the eternal God who can bring everlasting life in the midst of fleeting life. That he can bring everlasting life to those who are marked by sin and brief life through his son Jesus who took on death and was victorious. The whole reminder of the brevity of life is that you would stop looking to yourself for your hope but you would look to God's Son who is able to bring life more abundantly. See, here's the thing I hope that we can echo as we live every day with the eternality of God in sight and the brevity of our life. Hopefully we can say that we as Christians don't seek another thousand years to live, but to live just this one day with intentional devotion to God. That we as Christians might be able to say what would make us happiest is not a thousand more years to live, but to live this one day sold out to Him. That you wouldn't put off to tomorrow what you can do right now in devotion to God. That if God told you to do something, you'd do it. Not presuming upon another day, but living this one intentionally. Doesn't mean you gotta forget what you came from. It doesn't mean you gotta forget about your past and how God brought you where you are, but it also means what Paul says forsaking what lies behind and striving for what lies ahead. He pursued the upward call of Christ. Folks, we can waste our days so easily on so much stuff that doesn't mean a thing or we can live God-centered looking to our eternal God and how great he is 
considering the brevity of our life and how quickly it passes and how he is the only one who can provide eternal life in the midst of those marked by death. That he alone can take care of the sin problem that we carry. And that because of that, we could now live every day intentionally for him. None of us in this room know how many days we have left. None of us in this room know how many hours wait for us. But what we can do is not ask God for a thousand more years, but ask him to help us to live this one right now, completely devoted to him. That's what I want for every single one of us. And if we do that, I think people in this community might be captivated by that. They might see a difference. They might desire the hope that you have. You might be able to point them to the one who brings everlasting life. Folks, today is a great day. Let us not presume upon tomorrow. A thousand years to God is like a sleep in the night. Put your trust in him alone. Cling to him and live in obedience to his call. This morning, I want that for every one of you. Whether it's trusting in Jesus for the first time for the forgiveness of sin, seeing that you are one who is marked by sin. If you're breathing air and one day you're going to die, that means you're a, you're a sinner. Someone who desperately needs the rescue of God. Turn to him this morning. I urge you not to wait till tomorrow to turn to Christ, but to do it now. And Christians in the room, live every day intentionally because the days are fleeting, but God is eternal and provides life to his people. Trust in him. Lay it before him. Seek him. Pursue him. Honor him with every moment you have. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you for a painful discussion, but also a, a good one. God, that so often we can waste our days because we get caught up in the things of this world and we act like we're going to live forever. God, thank you for the reminder that this is fleeting. God, one day we breathe our last and it's only because of your son Jesus that we have hope in this life. That he can actually bring life in the midst of death because he has conquered sin and death by his sacrifice on the cross. So Father, I pray that you would captivate our hearts. Draw each and every one of us to yourself. Lord, for those who have been hoping in their own work to be saved, God, would you show them that their own efforts cannot secure anything for themselves. Only the eternal God can pay for our infinite sin. And so, Father, would you help them to put their trust in Jesus, the God-man, the one who is able to grab both God's hand and ours and bring us back to him. Father, would you help us to cling to you? Would you draw people to yourself and save souls? And Father, for us as your people who are trusting in Jesus, would you help us not to waste our days like everyone else? God, would you help us not to live as if this is all we have? Father, would you help us not to live ignoring the fact that this is all passing away? But Father, would you help us to live every day going, whatever you want us to do, we're going to do it right now because you're worth it to us and because we don't know what tomorrow brings. Father, I pray that you would help us as a church to be on fire for your kingdom. God, one day Fairhaven is gone and it's just you and your people. Father, help us to fight for that. And God, that this church would be a, a picture of blood-bought Christians who love you supremely, living life not wasting a single moment. 
Oh, Father, open our eyes to your perspective that we might not be duped and lulled into the things of this world. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing grace to us. Thank you for the truth of your word that wakes us up again. Father, would you captivate our hearts this morning that we can't help but sing and to speak about the things we have seen and heard. Lord, that you would be our treasure and we would serve you in everything. We love you. We praise you. May we respond to you in worship this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Let's sing our response song in your seat or up front. Let's pray to God. Let's do business with God. If I can pray with you over anything, I'm here up front. Let's respond to God this morning. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Take up our offering this morning. Remember, we do this because we love Jesus, right? 
We do it not because we're giving money so the hope that he doesn't strike us dead. We're doing this because we love him and we want him to know how much we treasure him and we trust him. Uh, I want you to give generously. I want you to give regularly. Don't forget, we're also taking up uh, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering still. We're going to take it up. Uh, this is uh, money that goes to help support missionaries and ministers and pastors who are serving all over the globe. And so as you give to that, know that you're giving to those who are planting new churches or ministering and sharing the gospel in some of the hardest places in this world. Uh, so I want you to give to that. We'll continue to take that up. But please remember that as you give. Uh, may we do everything because we love God more than anything else. So this morning, I'm going to ask Paul. Paul, will you pray for us this morning uh, and pray for our offering, please? Lord, we come to you in thanksgiving, Lord. We thank you for this lovely day you've given us, Father, for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, and hear your holy word preached to us, Father. We pray that you be with our offering, that we receive it, and we'll use it for the benefit of your kingdom, Father, the furtherment of your kingdom. We pray it should be with the Lottie Moon portion of it, Father, that we'll just give graciously to forward your word in different places all over the world, Lord. Uh, we thank you again, Father, this opportunity to be here and be healthy and just uh, be praising your holy name. We ask these things in your most holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. 